You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Today, we have been thinking about what trends we're going to see for the new year and um, what kind of trends are going to happen over the year. Um, Brooke, you see so many different patients in different kinds of situations, in different kinds of places. You um, talk to patients all over. What, what are they concerned about or what are they, what are the things that would be nice trends to help them out? Okay, the things that I wish people uh, would focus on or that I think should be a priority this year for people is to just focus on eating more uh, real whole foods. You know, we've talked about having more basic, simple meals, basic ingredients, you know, trying to get away from um, some, you know, boxed, processed, pre-made stuff like some of that's fine, but if we can move more of our meals towards the basics, you know, do you have a good protein at your meal? Do you have some veggies at your meal? Do you, you know, incorporate some fruit or whole grain? Just some really basic things. I think um, we would see significant improvements, I think, in everyone's health if we can move in that direction, um, because there's just so many food products and things out there that we are inundated with that I think bringing it back to a more simple way of eating would be beneficial. So that's my priority. I guess that would be my desire for people this year is to focus on that. Jackie, what do you think? What, what are some things that you would like to see trending this year? Okay. I just want to add to what you said, because yeah, go ahead. whole foods is really, really important. I'd love to see that trend be more towards whole foods instead of clean eating. Mm-hmm. Because I, I can't even think of what a, a description of clean eating is. And what it turns out to be is whatever the person wants it to. I know in the med school where I teach, we have a cafe and their whole thing is uh, in their title, it's clean eating. And they come up with the craziest things as being clean eating. Like, like, okay, this she, this lamb is from Australia and it was pasture raised and they make it sound like it's local. It's like, okay, that's Australia. There was a lot that it took to get here when what if there were sheep in the pasture down the road for me? So and, I totally agree with that whole foods. And I love that idea. And we could use that term instead of clean eating, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I do like that. So another um, focus that I would love to see is thinking about fueling our body in the right ways. Um, now, it's hard to use the word comfort food because we don't really want to encourage using food to comfort our emotions because eating emotionally is not necessarily a healthy way to do it. So if we could think of this a little bit differently as fueling our body in a good way, that would be nice. But we also we also really like, I like the idea of 
you know, food is what brings my family to the table. That's why they come. They don't really come to see me. But when my kids were little and they came to the table, I got to see them. I got to hear about them. I got to talk to them. And so anytime that we can do that is a good thing. And I call that my, you know, my comfort kind of food. If it's a food that they really like, um, it, it's a good time to come. And I'm thinking of some of the healthier foods that they really enjoy. Um, now, my son today is not a big vegetable eater. He's a grown adult. And he's not a big vegetable eater. And maybe there was a time when he kid that he wasn't. But I remember a time he loved fresh spinach salad. Like he, he um, we had company and he took almost the whole spinach salad and left very little for anybody else. I laughed about it instead of reprimanding him. I still think my company thinks I should have reprimanded him because it was not polite. But reprimanding a kid for taking vegetables just didn't feel quite right in my book. And I laughed instead. So finding foods that the family likes, it becomes almost like a tradition. Right. So uh, that can definitely be something that brings you together, makes you remember different occasions. For the most part, it'd be nice if it was uh, food that fuels your body in a good way. But you know, it doesn't always have to be. There can be other kinds of foods in there, especially if it's it's occasional, uh, special occasions, etc. Um, it's important that those foods you have on a daily basis be ones that are good fuel. But I don't know that every single occasion has to include every single good food. So right. I, I think another trend would be towards fueling, fueling our bodies in a good way. And that leads into kind of not restricting foods. So, right. So can I ask you, uh, do you have any comfort foods from growing up? Like, what do you consider family traditions or comfort foods that remind you of your family and Okay, so some of the foods that I like come from the fact that I lived on a farm, we had milk cow, and we always had a lot of milk products. That was a very cheap kind of food for us. So I realize a lot of the foods I like are like custard, or rice pudding, bread pudding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything like uh, when homemade ice cream, like... Okay. Uh, I, I just have this whole long list of, of recipes that have a lot of milk in them because right. I think that was the cheapest food to feed a big family on the farm. But what's right. interesting is my son actually has a lot of the same tastes I do. And so when I look at all his favorite foods, there's yeah. some of the same I have, but my daughters have, uh, they, they wouldn't necessarily go towards those foods at all. So I wonder why do my son and I like the same kind of foods? But yeah. anyway, those would probably be my comfort food. What are yours? Uh, I think the one thing that comes to mind is mashed potatoes. Like real oh. mashed potatoes are probably my favorite. Like okay, the smell of them, the taste, the texture. It's just like, that's the ultimate comfort food for me. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, I love the idea of creating healthy family traditions and yeah, finding some meals that your kids are going to remember that they're going to take with them when they move out of the house and start their own families. Like, I think that's such a great idea. Um, so definitely. So our family had so many different recipes like that, that mm -hmm. uh, when my daughter moved into a house, 
with um, like five other girls in college, there they did a uh, a cookbook for their house, and they gave me a copy of it because almost all the recipes happened to be mine, nice. and they they came from there. So they had a lot of their favorite recipes in there, and I thought That's that cool. was uh, my daughter had lots of recipes that she took, mm -hmm. so that was yeah. really fun. so other things we want to see for this year uh, I would love to see um another thing that has been popular in the past and I'd like to see it continue and for myself to become come on board even more would be the zero waste foods and I just love the idea that people are starting to realize we don't have to peel our potatoes we don't have to peel our carrots. We can wash them well, and then we get some extra fiber with it also. Okay, I have cooked all my life. I've cooked a lot. I've given a lot of cooking advice. Someone just taught me about a year ago that I do not have to peel my uh, winter squash, that you can puree it in the blender, and I would not have believed that I like couldn't tell. With like the hard green outer on it, really? Yes. yes, it is incredible that you can throw that in a blender and it actually, you have to take out the strings and seeds, but you yes. can use the seeds for, you know, toasting, etc. But I just, I would not have believed that I would not be able to tell it was in there. Now mm -hmm. it does make a difference if the squash is really old, like if it's over a year old, it's going to be even tougher. And part of the garden winter squash is just slightly more tender than the other. But like, it's crazy that, right. you know, it's the high powered blenders or high powered uh, yep. food processors. And it kind of makes a difference. Now, I haven't really tested this. I've tested it with multiple blenders, but never just a cheap one, like, okay. uh, like a $50 blender. So I'm not sure how those will work, but um, if you wanna make a soup, you can actually put the cooked squash in the blender with all the ingredients and with the high powered blenders, you, that's your soup. You do not have to cook it any further. You also can make kind of like a puree that would be like a mashed potato kind of thing if mm -hmm. you want it just a little bit thicker. So. Yeah, no, I think the zero waste thing is huge. I think the last statistic I read was that Americans throw away like 40% of our food. Like yeah. when we think about the amount of food that is produced, like think of what our farmers go through to produce the food, all these food companies to manufacture the food, like now the price of food and how expensive food is like 40% of our food gets thrown in the garbage. And so if we were a little bit more intentional about using everything that we have, um, and not wasting it, not only would it, you know, benefit our health, would it benefit the environment, it would benefit our pocketbook, like there's all these things that I think would benefit from that. So like Jackie was talking about the the peelings from our fruits and vegetables is a huge one. Um, I always leave my peelings on as much as I can. Um, you know, anything that I can't use goes into the compost, um, which then goes into my garden to help me grow food for the next year. So I'm using it that way. I think some other examples would be you know that we've talked about if you, if you have leftover like bones or carcass from your meat you can boil them to make bone broth for soups and other things like that if you I have know. old stale like i mean even thinking like if you have any like old stale bread cutting it up and making croutons out of it i mean just be be innovative like try be like okay i don't want to throw this in the garbage what can i do with it 
Um, and I think you can come up with a lot of things. Old bread you can also use for baked French toast or for bread pudding or right. croutons, or you already said croutons, but I'm thinking yep. of breadcrumbs on top of something or breading yep. something. You know, I like the fact that we're starting now to eat pea pods, you know, mm -hmm. because that's another way of eating that whole, yep. um, the whole product. But right. like um, when there are greens, you know, the tough, okay, one way of cleaning kale, collard greens and mustard greens is you take that and even Swiss chard or spinach sometimes is to take the thicker rib out of the middle. Well, you don't have to discard that. That's actually really good in stir fries and soups. And it's sometimes nice to separate it out from the rest of the leaf, but still use it. And it also, it almost becomes like a second product. And the leaves inside of like a celery, a, a stock of the head mm -hmm. of celery, if you call it a head. And uh, those leaves, you know, you can put in the broth with the carcass instead mm -hmm. of throwing away. But I... This is another thing I learned from a chef not very long ago. I didn't realize that they put the onion skins that are brown in the broth and it mm -hmm. adds a really nice brown uh, color to it. So the, the yeah. skins can add color to things. Yeah, I've seen people do that um, with like those dry onion peels. I didn't know it was for color. I, I assumed it took some taste, but that's interesting. I think it's that it taste. Changes. I think it's yeah. taste. But, but it does color it too. Yeah. I think it's more for taste. I think you're that's, right. That's so. interesting. So yeah, I think there's so many things. So yeah, food waste. That's a good one. Any others, Jackie, that you want to see people? Want, what you want to see? I would love day? to see people continue to seek out registered dietitians for their nutrition information. I think that um, I know Brooke, you have a class going on and that you or will have in the future. And I think those kind of classes are really wonderful for people to seek out good nutrition advice and looking in the right places would, you know, include um, having registered dietitians be involved in that. All right. What are some things that we think are actually going to trend this year? Um, or maybe that we've seen trending. Well, one Let's thing, one thing that I've thought of is this fragmentation of health beliefs. And what I mean by that is you don't have an overarching good plan, like an overarching good plan I would describe as whole fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, lean meats and vegetables. And that being primarily what you eat on a day-to-day -day basis with occasional foods, of course, added in. But a fragmentation of health beliefs mean that's how you believe in eating, but maybe you also are on weight loss medications or you're thinking about going on weight loss medications. So it's like on one thing, one of them is very healthy. And on the other side, it's probably not doing a lot of good to your body. Like sometimes it will for in the short term, but in the long term, you know, it's not helping your health. So your health beliefs are fragmented in that some of them are really good, but you're not really doing those things. You're taking shortcuts. Yeah. And I, I would say one thing that comes to my mind is I hear 
I think um, people talk a lot about toxins, right? And they, they don't want to eat food that contain toxins and sugar's toxic and all this stuff. And so they, they talk about, you know, all how horrible all these foods are and they don't want to eat them. But then I see them, you know, drinking alcohol daily or, you know, um, just eating things that are like, or, or they only eat white bread and that's, you know, there's stuff like this. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense with what you say. Like you say you want to eat healthier and you're demonizing all these things, but then you go around and you consume them on a regular basis. Like, yeah, they're not congruent. And so I do see some of that too. I think it's, um, again, it's important. Like we really should walk, walk the talk, right? Like if we really believe something, if we really especially if we're saying it out loud to other people, we should really be careful that our actions are matching our words. Otherwise it's just, it, it makes us look foolish, I guess, um, if we're not doing that. So yeah, I think that's an interesting one, Jackie. Um, what about I, fasting? I wanted to ask you, do you think yeah. that's a trend that, I mean, I think it's going to continue. Is this a yep. good trend or is this a negative trend? You know, I, again, we, we did a, podcast on intermittent fasting year is actually one of the first ones we did I think it was like in our first five or six episodes that we recorded um, I do see it continuing uh, when I'm on social media I still see it talked about all the time um, I think it probably you know like everything will probably become more extreme you know there are there are varying degrees of intermittent fasting there's somewhere you know you just don't eat after six o'clock at night <laughs> and that's considered intermittent fasting and then there's other ones where they only eat within a four-hour window every day and then there's other ones where they fast for two full days every week I mean it's just there's so many variations of it um, but I do see lots of talking about fasting in general and so I think that's going to continue and I just with the way that our world is and the way that nutrition tends to work I just see things getting more and more extreme so I think we'll be seeing um, some more variations of fasting this year, um, trending definitely. Right. So another trend that's probably going to continue, and I don't necessarily think it's a great one, but our packaged snack foods. I mean, our lifestyles are just like, we're going all different directions. Kids have to have lunches for school. We have to have uh, lunches for work, et cetera. So these packaged snack foods are not necessarily really fueling our body well. But I came up with something that I thought worked well is that I got a lot of these little um, cellophane kind of packaging things. And I used my seal meal to package little snacks in them to put in lunches for uh, grandkids at school. So they actually have a package to open, but the inside <laughs> product might be something like a carrot oatmeal bar that you've made, or it might be a, a power ball, uh, like for an athlete, you know, that's getting ready, that needs something for their uh, practice in the afternoon. So it's just kind of mm -hmm. fun to make it like it's a packaged stack food, but it's actually something you've made. And right. while this trend is going to continue, I'd like for us to look at those labels and say, they that's just false advertising. That is just a marketing ploy. I'm not going to fall for all this, non this, non this, non this. It's, it's ridiculous. In fact, the list can be very long. Yeah. Well, and even just talking about packaging in general, I think I've mentioned before, 
again, I think 40% of the cost of a food goes into the packaging of it. So if we're buying packaged snack foods, we're actually paying a lot more money for those individually packaged things where if we could, yeah, make something homemade in bulk and put it into little bags or containers ourselves, um, you know, you're, again, you're going to get the cost savings benefit. You're going to get the health benefit of it. So, yeah, I, but I do, I see, you know, like my husband packs his own lunch every day. And so we buy snacks things for him because that's what he wants to pack in his lunches and yeah there's but there's so many things that you could do yourself and do it that way so that's that's a great idea Jackie how does an adult um get enough to eat from all those little package things I mean does um, he take one because I would think you'd have to have a lot um yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not going to talk about okay, okay, okay <laughs> about her. I picture if I did that, took it to work, I would have this whole bag of these of all these. Yes. That's what it would look like because you have to have mm-hmm. you have to have quite a few in yes in order to fuel it. Yeah, and, and it's a lot of high carb stuff, no protein. I like I would be hungry all the time. I I don't know how he does it, but mm-hmm. anyway. Well, another one might be to make a good one might be to make water our primary beverage. Mm. Something that I actually have been working on over the last couple of years. And uh, and it's been really nice. And it's interesting because while that was the way I grew up, water is a primary beverage, I definitely got away from it in the teenage years. And mm. then it kind of continued. Yep. And, and it's hard to go back to water, I think. It but it's important. I know so many people who don't drink water. They don't like the taste of it or something. And so it's always um, diet sodas or regular sodas or coffee, or they put, um, you know, like those uh, crystal light or Mio or, you know, flavor enhancers in their bottled water, or they um, even like the, the new seltzers, like, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with those mineral waters or, or seltzer waters, but it's right. I do think that like we as humans are made up, isn't our body at 70% water? Like we need to replenish that. And yes, all fluids provide water. I get that. Um, but there is something just really, um, I think pure about just drinking water, just water, you know, we've talked about it before that in nutrition, there aren't a lot of hard and fast proven by double-blind research studies. But one thing that seems really clear is that sugar-sweetened beverages are linked to uh, type 2 diabetes, to obesity, Mm -hmm. and other chronic diseases. So this is one that's really worth thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And I just think like from a long-term standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, from a health standpoint, like we all should just learn how to drink water. I get that people don't like the taste, but it's what you become accustomed to. If you're used to drinking sweet or flavored things all the time, of course, that's what you're going to crave, right? But I think it's okay to train ourselves to like water and to be able to tolerate water. Now, if you want to throw a slice of lemon in your water or something like that, I don't care. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think we do, especially as adults, we need to learn how to how to drink water if we're not currently doing that. I think that's a good point. Keeping hydrated is even more important as we age. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So- that's, I think older people are less likely to drink water sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's the age where we really, really need it. So it's incredibly healthy. So um, what about this restricting? We've seen this for many years. What's the future? Is this going to continue as a trend or? 
I do think so. Uh, restricting dieting, I think is just always going to be an ongoing issue. I think people are always going to turn to some kind of fads, um, whether it's restricting whole food groups or restricting certain kinds of foods or restricting the amount of food. I just think, uh, you know, again, especially we're like, we're not getting smaller. Like we, we see human bodies getting larger and larger all the time. And so I think as long as that continues, there's always going to be, you know, the counter of, um, trying to restrict in order to fix that. Um, and so I do see restrictive diets, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, them and how they're becoming a little more extreme, right? So we have, we, we no longer just have low carb. Now we have keto and carnivore, which is like, zero carb. Um, and then we have, you know, the, the vegan, which is zero meat and all of these things are done for different reasons, but they are all considered restrictive diets. So I do see that continuing. Yeah. Well, this has been just, um, a really, um, good time to look at what things we would love to see continue on as trends and which ones not. And it kind of, one of them is, um, the idea of ethically raised animals that your food came from this kind of a, 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 a place. Now, I see this as a trend that's continuing, but I also see it as really harmful because they can market the food as, okay, these animals were ethically raised, but that doesn't really mean they were. And who is going to define that, that this is more ethical than, than something else. So yeah. I, I wish that we could change the ideas there. And I wish that marketing didn't play upon people's fears that animals weren't being treated well, but right. unfortunately that's a trend that's going to continue. And I, I don't yes. see the answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just this big push. I think we're, we're seeing it from a lot of, you know, big government agencies, I think we're seeing it around the world is push for less meat consumption. And so I think if they can pull up people's heartstrings by telling them that these animals are being abused and not taken care of well, then yeah, people are less likely to eat meat. I think that's a big push behind the vegan movement is this so-called treatment of animals. Now, do some people treat their animals badly? I'm sure it does happen. Um, but like you said, Jackie, I think that term ethically, I think is also subjective, depending on how someone is defining it and using it. So if you can buy, if you can buy your meat locally, of course, that's going to be ideal. If you know who raised it, if you know how it's raised, I think that's a great way to do it. But I do think that is a scare tactic that is being used to get people to eat less meat in the name of climate change. So mm -hmm. And next, and next podcast, I'm hoping that we can bring on um, some farmers to talk about this issue and to just share their perspective. Uh, I think that that'll just be a really interesting way of uh, of adding on to this subject because it's it's, yeah. it's a big subject and it's something that's not going to go away and we just have to keep uh, coming back to it. So just to wrap up, we have talked about several different trends that we would just love to see into the future. And the more we can promote it and that you can promote it, the better it is for our family. So the first one is zero waste foods. And then we, we talked about um, real whole foods. We talked about water as your go-to go bev go beverage. Um, also like 
comfort foods that keep you fueled in the right way. So those are just some of the, the, the trends we really hope to be moving forward and for those to continue. And you know, the bottom line is there's a lot of trendy ideas out there that might have a nugget of truth or mm -hmm. good facts behind them, but we don't want to catch those bandwagons. Yes. All right. Thank you for wrapping that up, Jackie. We will see you next time. Uh, like Jackie mentioned, we're hoping to visit with some farmers. Uh, so if you have any questions specifically that you would want asked um, that we can address during the podcast, um, if we're going to visit with a couple of farmers, please reach out to us through our Instagram page. You can message us through there um, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.